Numbers chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. The Lord spoke further to Moses. Now stop right there. The word further indicates that he's been speaking to Moses for quite a while. And the truth is he has. They have been at Mount Sinai for a long time. And we've been studying through the book of Numbers. And we've been here since the beginning of January. And we are right now on the verge, right on the verge, just about to see the children of Israel step out and leave Sinai and head in the direction of the promised land. Finally. The entire book of Leviticus, instructions to Israel at the foot of Mount Sinai. Much of the end part of Exodus, same thing. And the first ten chapters of Numbers, and now the Lord spoke further to Moses. One final thing, one final thing has to occur before they leave. He said, make yourself two trumpets of silver, of hammered work you shall make them, and you shall use them for summoning the congregation and having the camps set out. When both are blown, all the congregation shall gather themselves to you at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Yet, if only one is blown, then the leaders, the heads of the divisions of Israel, shall assemble before you. But when you blow an alarm, the camps that are pitched on the east side shall set out. And when you blow an alarm the second time, the camps that are pitched on the south side shall set out. An alarm is to be blown for them to set out. When convening the assembly, however, you shall blow without sounding an alarm. The priestly sons of Aaron, moreover, shall blow the trumpets, and this shall be for you a perpetual statute throughout your generations. When you go to war in your land against the adversary who attacks you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets, that you may be remembered before the Lord your God and be saved from your enemies. Also in the day of your gladness, and in your appointed feasts, and on the first days of your months, you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings, and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings, and they shall be as a reminder of you before your God, I am the Lord your God. Father, give us understanding. As we study your word again this morning, give us insight into things that matter to you. May our hearts beat with the things that cause your heart to beat. May we resonate, Father, with the things that are of concern to you, the things that you love, the things that you're passionate about. May these things direct our thoughts and our lives. May we be somehow, Father, pulled out of our typical selfishness, our self-centeredness, that we might be God-centered, that we might see and hear and know the things you want us to know. And we might literally, Father, hear your Spirit speaking to us. Lord, we need more of your Spirit. Reminded even this morning, Father, of Elisha, asking for a double portion of Elijah's Spirit, of his power, of his ability. He was asking for more of you, and Father, we do the same this morning. As Frank prayed, Lord, there are a lot of things going on. There's a lot of difficulty and heartache and struggle that people are dealing with right now connected to the bridge. And we pray, Father, that you would give us strength to walk through these things. A double portion, Father. And even this morning, Lord, as we study your word, may we see even more clearly than we would otherwise. Holy Spirit, we ask you to give us clear understanding. We thank you for loving us and... God, it's so awesome that you would choose to be here. Thank you, Lord, for coming. And teach us now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, again, it's about time to go. Final preparations are almost complete. You can sense the anticipation. All we need now is for a trumpet to sound. 
all we need is for the sound of the trumpet. The children of Israel, again, have been at Mount Sinai a long time. And you may wonder, why so much time spent in this place? Gang, this is the preparation time. God doesn't take them into the promised land. And then as an afterthought, think, okay, um, boy, we need to get some organization here. Now, that's the way I would do it. As I said, a little bit of instability. I come into Sunday morning with the worship team, and a lot of times I just throw a piece of music at them and go, let's give this a shot. What do you think? And they're going, ha, ha, ha. And they, and they do great. They're amazing. But the Lord prepares ahead of time. He is incredibly well prepared. Everything is thought through. Everything is organized. Everything is laid out exactly the way He wants it to be. Why? Because God will never send His children out unprepared. And that means you and it means me. When we think about all the things that happen to us in our lives, guess what? God knew it was coming. And you might even, for a moment, in, in struggle or doubt, say, Well, Lord, if you knew it was coming, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you get me prepared? And I believe that God would, that God would say, I did. I did prepare you. You were ready for this. Children of God, listen to me. He will not send you out unprepared. When life hits us and hits us hard as it so often does, He has prepared you ahead of time. Or you might not know how. You might not realize it. You might be like one of the children of Israel wandering around saying, How long is Moses going to be up on that mountain? Or saying, How long is God going to keep talking to him? Can't we just go? The sunrise over Sinai is beautiful, but I'm getting a little tired of it. What about that promised land? The milk, the honey. The hills flowing with wine. That's what I'm looking for. But God is busy in preparation. Getting the children ready. Numbers chapter 8 and chapter 9 tell us that the tabernacle was fully functional, fully up and running. Not only all the things prepared and made and put into it, but the priests themselves ordained, ready to go. And before they leave Mount Sinai, God has the, the tabernacle functioning. It's working. They celebrate their first Passover, well, second Passover, the first one was in Egypt. But the first annual Passover, they celebrate right there at the foot of Mount Sinai. Numbers chapter 8 and 9 talk, talk about that. And so we see this fully functioning tabernacle. Why? Because when trouble would hit Israel, he wanted them to know instantaneously they had somewhere to run. They could run to the mercy seat. They could come before the Father, no matter what happened, before they headed out. If they left Sinai and within a day were attacked by an attacking army, guess what? The tabernacle was there. The mercy seat was ready for them. And for you and I, the same thing is true. Hebrews 4.16 tells us, Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, which is the mercy seat. The throne of grace. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So gang, listen, when you fall on hard times, as many of you have, when you're struggling or despairing, understand this, God is never taken by surprise. He's never surprised. He knew it was coming. He prepared you for it, and His throne of grace stands ready to receive you so that you can receive help in time of need. Now what's interesting here is we've gone through all these things, and at the very end, God actually goes back and reminds Moses to construct something that he talked about before, two silver trumpets. Before you leave Sinai, don't forget, Moses, the silver trumpets are necessary. You need to have them ready. And these silver trumpets were for the purpose of communication. You might want to jot some things down if you're a note taker, and I encourage you to be, just to get these things into your head a little bit better. God likes trumpets. 
he likes trumpets. And he's very specific about what they are to communicate. There are trumpets all over the Bible. By the way, let me just tell you this. This morning is part one. Tonight's Revelation study, even if you haven't been yet, is part two. Because we're talking about trumpets again tonight. Different kinds of trumpets. But if you want the full trumpet picture of the Lord God, this morning is part one. Tonight's part two. Oh, but tonight is the Academy Awards. Well, you make the choice. Gay Cowboys or the Book of Revelation is your call. jot down about the trumpets. Number one, the silver trumpets communicated convocation. Convocation. Verses 2 and 3 tell us that when the trumpets are blown, the people are to gather, to have convocation before the Lord. So number one, they communicated convocation. Number two, the silver trumpets communicated mobilization. Mobilization. Verses 5 through 7. When you hear the trumpets sound, head out. It's time to leave. It's time to move out from Sinai. To, to move out from wherever you're camped, mobilization. Number three, the silver trumpets communicated confrontation. Verse nine, if war strikes, if you're attacked, blow those silver trumpets, let the people know, sound the alarm, confrontation. Number four, the silver trumpets communicated celebration. You blow these trumpets before every one of the major feasts. We talked about the feasts back in December. Those major feasts of Israel, every time they were to have a feast, the trumpets would blow, they would sound. The people knew it was a sound of joy and celebration. So those four again, convocation, mobilization, confrontation, and celebration. And then there's one more. One more. The silver trumpets communicate revelation. Revelation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you might want to flip your Bible over there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul calls this a mystery. This revelation, it's a mystery. 1 Corinthians 15, down around verse 51. The Greek word for mystery, as you're turning there, is musterion. It literally means to shut the mouth. In other words, to keep a secret. But a secret is always something that we keep knowing that at some point we're going to share it. You know the old thing as a kid, I've got a secret. And if your child does that, by the way, to parents, if your child comes up and says, I've got a secret, all you have to do is give them about 30 seconds and they're going to tell you. You don't have to worry about it. Don't stress that the truth is going to come out. They're going to share. It means to shut the mouth, but it's a mystery. It's something that it needs to be told, but it can't be told yet. It needs to be shared, but not quite yet. Hang on, don't share it just yet. It indicates something previously kept secret, now revealed, now unveiled. Paul says, oh, I've got a secret for you. Behold, he says, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. I've got a musterion for you, a secret. And it's time that you know what the secret is. Back in the book of Daniel, chapter 12, verse 4, the Lord says to Daniel, As for you, Daniel, conceal these words. Seal up the book until the time of the end. All of the things in the book of Daniel, all of the prophecies, which are wonderful and amazing, God says, seal them up. And literally for thousands of years, people did not know what they meant. God knew this. It was a secret for the time of the end. Guess what? You can read and study the book of Daniel today and it is open. 
It is no longer concealed. It is a completely understandable book in the context now of looking back and seeing history and looking forward and seeing prophecy. Gang, the book has been unsealed. Another sign that we live in the time of the end. Truly that which is in the Old Testament concealed is in the New Testament revealed. And here now at the end of time, the plan is open. The secret is unveiled. We've talked about this many times. The book of Revelation that has been secretive, difficult to understand for years is not difficult to understand. Those of you going through the study are seeing and you know it's, it's as plain as day. It's open. It's not something to keep us in the dark or confused about. Revelation 22 verse 10, John is told, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book. The time is near. And so Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15, 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery. I'm telling it to you. I'm telling you the secret. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Verse 52, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound. Which trumpet is that? What? Some are saying silver, some are saying last. I'd say you're both right. The last trumpet. This is the last one. The last trumpet. It will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed forever. And every time I get on the scale, I say, Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Every time I'm brushing my teeth and there's just something that will not come out of there, I go, Praise the Lord! Raised imperishable! Every trip to the dentist... Every visit to the doctor, every time something physically happens in my life where I go, man, it is not as good as it used to be. <laughs> Just yesterday we were down at the beach with the kids down there at Deception Pass. And there's a place where the, the beach comes right up and there's kind of a, a, a rock wall. And you can take the easy way up the path, you know, if you're lazy and you want to do that. Or you can climb right up the face of the rock. Okay? So I start climbing up the face of the rock and Corey's on kind of to my right and he's going up kind of a tough spot too and Hayden's going up a tough spot. I get about halfway up and the thought strikes me as I look down on the ground and I'm about two body lengths from the ground. I say, what am I doing? What, is, what are you thinking? If you fall off of here today, not only will you break your neck, but your sons will see it happen. Keep the illusion alive. <laughs> But hey, we're going to be changed. We're going to be raised imperishable. Is that the best news you've heard or what? This is where we're headed. Not this. Hallelujah. Not this. But that to be changed. Gang, when we come across the word, by the way, sleep in the Bible, Paul says we will not all sleep, we'll all be changed. He's talking about death. We're not all going to die. Some will. Some will pass away. Some will die ahead of time. But not all of us. Not everyone. Paul did, by the way. Paul lost his life, was martyred for the cause of Christ. Paul, throughout his writings, anticipated the coming of Jesus, desired it, looked forward to it. And yet, he died. But he continues to say to us today, we will not all sleep, but we are going to be changed. This idea of change is so wonderful. God has given us fantastic pictures throughout nature for it. By the way, one of those is the caterpillar. You know, that climbs up into the tree and, and wraps that chrysalis around itself. And within two weeks or so, and it's a great little study in kindergarten classes all over. You know, they put the little caterpillars in there and they, then the chrysalis are hanging down. And then the butterfly emerges, a completely changed creature, now able to fly. Completely different. Not the bug on the ground, but the glorified caterpillar is now, or glorified butterfly can now fly. Scientists call that, I love this, it's a miracle of nature. 
Nature, gang, does not work miracles. God does. And every single little caterpillar that turns into a butterfly is because of the miraculous work of the hand of God in nature, not nature itself. Well, again, it takes roughly two weeks for this caterpillar to change, but our change will happen, Paul tells us, in the twinkling of an eye, which I'm told is about one ten-thousandth of a second, plus or minus a sparkle. (laughs) The twinkling of an eye, it will be so instantaneous, so amazing, we're not even going to hardly know what's happened, except the fact that we're flying and going, this is awesome, this is great, I I can fly, I can fly, I can fly, I can fly. (laughs) In the twinkling of an eye. But gang, listen, not only do do we know precisely how quickly, how fast this will happen, we know exactly when this will happen. Want to know when? Get your calendars out. I'm going to tell you exactly when the rapture will take place. Are you ready? It's at the last trumpet. It's at the sounding of the last trumpet. Now, Bible students, you need to listen up because this has huge doctrinal significance for us. Especially those of you currently studying through the book of Revelation. You need to get this down and understand this. The Bible is filled with trumpets. It's filled with trumpets. Many different ways trumpets are used and blown throughout the Bible. But in reality, there are only two trumpets of God. Two trumpets of God. Lots of other trumpets used, but two that are specifically called trumpets of God, and they are the first trumpet and the last trumpet. The first trumpet and the last trumpet. Just like, interestingly, there are two trumpets in Numbers chapter 10. The first trumpet of God terrified a people. Exodus chapter 19, you can flip there or I'll just read it to you. Exodus 19, verse 16 tells us that when it came about on the third day, when it was morning, that there were thunder and lightning flashes and a thick cloud upon the mountain, a very loud trumpet sound, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. It's the first trumpet. It's the first time in the Bible. It's the first mention of trumpets in the Bible. We've talked about that's a principle in Bible study, the principle of first mention. Something is mentioned for the first time, it usually has some significance to it, and it's worth taking a look at. So in Bible study, this is the first time we even see a trumpet mentioned. It's the first trumpet of God. It goes on in verse 17, says, Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. It tells us as it's smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked violently. When the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke with God and God answered him with thunder. Now watch this. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. I really like that picture. God came down and Moses went up. And this is what happens when the trumpet sounds. The first trumpet. The first trumpet blast in the Bible sounds. God came down. Moses went up. It's a wonderful picture. But gang, the first trumpet of God terrified a people. The last trumpet of God will transform a people. The last trumpet of God will transform a people. For as the dead, as the trumpet sounds, we're told by Paul, again in 1 Corinthians 15, that the dead are raised imperishable and we will be changed. Now the good news is that the dead are raised imperishable because right now, the dead, those who have passed away, are in the grave. And I have to tell you, and it's a little disgusting, it's a little gross, but they are rotting at this time. 
That's the way it is. That's just the truth of things. Beethoven was buried and said that there was at one point, hundreds of years after his burial, when, when did Beethoven live? Anybody know? 1800. So a couple hundred years after his burial, a sound was heard over, uh, over Beethoven's grave. And people got to be concerned about that and started to gather around and began to listen. And it was a very strange, kind of a ghostly melody coming right up out of Beethoven's grave. And so they did what all curious humans would do. They exhumed the grave. They opened it up. And, and, and when they got down in there, opened the coffin, there was Beethoven. And he was sitting up. And he was, he was rapidly writing, but he was mostly erasing stuff as fast as he could. And they said, Beethoven, what are you doing? And he said, shh, I'm decomposing. <laughs> changed so don't worry about them if grandma's in the grave you don't want to see her right now she's not looking good but she will she will I often think about my grandmother Irene and how boy she, her knees were so bad she died at age 94 her knees were a mess she had arthritis throughout her body and she was barely moved from place to place she was sharp as a tack till the day that she died but her body just was shutting down and she would talk about how wonderful it was going to be to just jump from cloud to cloud and she's right for the dead will be raised imperishable and will be changed I need you to run over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 just a few pages to the right 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now you might say, Rick, wait a minute, but when a person dies, don't they go on to be with the Lord? So what is this about, how do we understand the body and the ground, and, and, but the person goes on to be with the Lord? Paul puts it this way, he says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 6, and go ahead and flip to 1 Thessalonians. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 6, Paul says, while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. But we, re, we prefer rather to be absent from the body and be at home with the Lord. The indication, the truth here, the biblical truth is that when a person dies, their spirit does go to be with the Lord instantaneously while the body is buried and waits. Waits for what? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 13. You might say, Rick, we know this stuff. We've heard this stuff. If you've been at the bridge for more than two or three months, you have probably heard teaching about the rapture of the church, the end times. Rick, come on, enough already. We've heard this. Well, Paul says something interesting. Verse 13, he says, We do not want you to be uninformed. And I agree. I want you to have this down. Could you today sit down with someone and explain to them about the first and the last trumpet? How many people today feel like they could do that right now if we had a little quiz? Explain the first and the last trumpet. One or two. Okay. Then the rest of you, listen. I do not want you to be uninformed. These are things worth sharing. These are things that will blow people away, get them excited, and can attract a person to Jesus. This, by the way, is part of the gospel. And Jesus came, He died, He resurrected, He ascended to the Father, but gang, don't forget, He's coming back. If He's not coming back, then we are wasting our time. Thank you for dying for me, Lord, for redeeming me, but, but you're not, are you going to come for us? Absolutely, He says. And that is part of the Gospel message. And that's what we look forward to. And gang, for me, that's motivation to talk about Jesus. I want you to know, because He could be here this afternoon. He could be coming tonight. 
People say, oh, Rick, that's, that's, that's pressure. You're putting pressure on people to get saved. Absolutely I am. Should we wait? Oh, listen, I want you to pause and think about this. Take a few years. If he comes, oops, but, you know, maybe he won't. This is... This is encouragement, gang, to talk about the truth of Scripture. Verse 13 again. We do not want you to be uninformed about those who are asleep so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, the gospel, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. We've seen this before. God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Those who have died, God will bring with him at the time of the last trumpet. So if you have a loved one who's gone on, that loved one is coming to meet you along with Jesus when the last trumpet sounds. God's going to bring them with Him. Verse 15, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. The Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and here it is, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. The trumpet of God in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51 and 52, Paul called it the last trumpet. The last trumpet is the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise first. Verse 17, Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, Paul says, comfort each other with these words. There is great comfort in this truth, in this knowing. Dang, two trumpets, two trumpets, one at Sinai, the other one right here. And you might say, well, wait a minute, what about the trumpets in Revelation chapter 8? That's a great question. I'm glad you're on top of that this morning. We're going to talk about that tonight. But this is the doctrinal importance. This is what we need to understand here. Revelation chapter 8 talks about the trumpet judgments. It talks specifically about trumpets that are blown, trumpets that are given to seven angels. And as those angels sound the trumpets, as we'll see tonight, it looks very much like nuclear war is happening on the face of the earth. In fact, the the parallel is stunning. It's frightening as you read through those things. And again, we're going to talk about it tonight, but one thing I want you to understand, there are trumpets of God, the first trumpet blown, and it's God's voice He's speaking. And there's the last trumpet, as Paul says. The last trumpet is also the voice of God. The trumpets in Revelation chapter 8 are not trumpets of God. They're trumpets blown by angels. And that distinction is critical. Why is it so critical, Rick? Because, gang, there are folks who believe that this whole idea of the rapture, the harpazo, the, the, the catching up of the Lord, will happen halfway through the tribulation at the end of these trumpet judgments. And that's not the case biblically. Because those trumpets are angel trumpets. And this trumpet is a trumpet of the Lord God. We're going to talk about this specifically and in depth tonight to understand it better. But you need to think of the rapture. This whole idea of the rapture, and again, I've shared this before, it's a buzzword. It comes from the Latin word raptus. It's the Greek harpazo. It literally means to forcefully or violently pull out of the way. Or to snatch up. As if, think about, consider this, a parent standing on the side of the street as their little three-year-old child goes running into the road and a car is coming. What is the parent going to do? Go, honey, honey, come here. Come on, come on, come on. Let's go inside and get some cheese. You know, this is not what happens. The parent would race out and grab the child and pull him out of the way. That's what harpazo means. 
This is what God will do before, before the battle, before the war, before the danger strikes. He will pull you out. That's the concept of the rapture. But let's look at this a little more specifically. Go back to Numbers chapter 10. Numbers chapter 10. And follow this through with me for a few moments this morning. Because when the last trumpet sounds, when the last trumpet sounds, there will be a glorious convocation. A glorious convocation. Look at verse 2. Make yourself two trumpets of silver of hammered work. You shall make them. And you shall use them for the summoning of the congregation. A glorious convocation. In the same way when the first trumpet blew, all the children of Israel would gather together before the Lord. So when the last trumpet sounds, all of the children of God will be caught up to glory and will gather together before the Lord. A glorious convocation. 1 Thessalonians 4.17 says, We shall meet Him together in the clouds, and so we shall be with the Lord from then on out. Great news. A glorious convocation. The trumpet sounds and the church, the church will be pulled out. And think about this. The word church is ekklesia in the Greek which means the called out. The called out. It, it means that it's those who are called out to follow Jesus in the world but it also has that double meaning of being called out. The church will fully experience its churchness its ecclesia at this moment when we are called out and pulled out of the world. Amen. Number two, it's an instantaneous mobilization. An instantaneous mobilization. Verses 5 through 7 in Numbers chapter 10 talk about this idea of the people moving out. The trumpet sounds and the people go. Same idea in the rapture of the church. But can you also understand this? That this last trumpet, this rapture call, is a sound of alarm. It's a sound of alarm. There is danger coming. And 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 9 tells us the Lord has not destined you for wrath but for salvation. You have not been destined for wrath. You are not designed for wrath. Wrath is not for you. And so the trumpet sound is an alarm. Number three, it's a serious confrontation. A serious confrontation. Look at this, verse 9. When you go to war in your land against the adversary who attacks you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets. Why? That you may be remembered before the Lord your God and what? Be saved. Be saved from your enemies. Again, Bible students listen and understand this. There are those who claim the last trumpet is synonymous with the seventh trumpet in the book of Revelation. Actually, it's blown in Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. The problem is twofold. Number one, the trumpet is still an angel's trumpet and not the trumpet of God. And number two, serious godly wrath will have taken place before this trumpet blows. Why are you harping on this, Rick? Because there is a perspective about the coming of Jesus that's called the mid-tribulation rapture or the pre-wrath rapture that says we're going to have to go through the first half. We're going to have to deal with a lot of bad stuff, but then halfway through, then God is going to blast trumpet will sound and we'll be caught up. And there are those theologians who say it's the seventh trumpet. But gang, that seventh trumpet, again, is an angel's trumpet and it happens after serious wrath has occurred. You want to know how serious the wrath is? including the wrath of God that's taken place up to this time in the tribulation period will include one-fourth of all mankind killed during the wrath of the Lamb. Revelation chapter 6. One in four people alive on planet Earth during just the wrath of the Lamb, just that first little part, 
one out of four will be dead by the time before the first of the seven trumpets blow. But it gets worse from there. Because during what's called the trumpet judgments, another one out of three of the rest of mankind gang will be wiped out before the sounding of the seventh trumpet. That's over half of the people alive. If you think about the number of people alive today, 6.4 billion is roughly the number. Divide that in half. 3.2 billion people will die in the first half of the tribulation period. That is wrath. That is wrath. And the Bible tells us very clearly that the Lord has not destined you for wrath, but for salvation. Now, if this is confusing, understand this. If, again, the rapture happens at the midpoint of the tribulation, half of all the people alive during that tribulation will already be dead as a result of divine wrath. But here's the deal. You say, well, Rick, uh, I understand there's something about the wrath of God and it's supposed to be poured out on sin, but I am not perfect. I deserve some wrath in my life. Don't I have to pay for some of it? Not according to the Bible if you trust in Jesus. If you put your faith, if you put your trust in Jesus, listen to what Paul says, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. He goes on and says, The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. And I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through law, then Christ died needlessly. You want to know the one thing that distinguishes Christianity from every other religion on the face of the earth? The one thing that distinguishes, and Christians miss this and misunderstand this constantly, is the fact that we are not saved by what we do. We are not placed on the balance. God looking and going, well, let's see. The good barely outweighs the bad. Come on in. The reality is with a God who is as perfect as He is, if there's one spot on your soul, you're no good. You cannot make it. And every one of us knows there's more than one spot on our souls. But Paul says, no, don't worry about this. I do not nullify the grace of God. I believe in the grace of God. It's by grace I am saved, and this is not from myself. Christ did not die needlessly. He went to the cross where every single one of us should go. He took that punishment. He literally took the outpouring of God's wrath at Calvary. And if you put your faith in Him and your trust in Him, then then you will be saved if God's Word counts for anything. A serious confrontation, but gang number four, a, number four, a joyous celebration. For from the moment of our catching up, everything changes. We're changed. We're glorified. The Bible indicates for seven years, we, the bride of Christ, will be on a heavenly honeymoon with our groom, Jesus. And verse 10 of Numbers chapter 10 says, In the day of your gladness, and in your appointed feast, and on the first day of your months, you shall blow the trumpets. It is a sound of celebration. It is the day of our gladness. This trumpet sound. And what a day that will be when the world falls away and will celebrate like no other time in our lives. Which is why Paul says, comfort each other with these words. Encourage each other. Build each other up. Why? Because the trumpet is about to sound. I heard a story several years ago. I was working at a church in Fairfax, Virginia, and a friend of mine, a youth pastor, a friend named Darren, called me up, and Darren said, Rick, Rick, man, i got to tell you something I just heard. I heard it from a friend who has a friend whose aunt knew this person who talked to someone about this situation. 
And I went, well, tell me, because I'm sure it's accurate. (laughs) But he said on a road in Arkansas, apparently, there was a woman sitting beside the side of a road, and a police officer saw the car sitting there. And so the police officer pulled over to see if she needed some help and got out of his car and went around to the window, and she looked absolutely terrified. And the officer asked asked her, what's the deal? What's going on here? And she said, I don't know. I saw an old man standing beside the road, and so I pulled over to see if he needed help. And he looked at me, and when I rolled down the window, he said, The trumpet is about to sound. And then he turned around and started to walk away. And I looked down to get a piece of paper, and when I looked back up, he was gone. And the police officer said, Ma'am, we've heard that same story shared five times this week. And Darren, my friend, was freaking out because his friend of a friend of an aunt of a sister of a cousin, you know, told him the story. (laughs) And you may have seen things like that on the internet. But I got to tell you that that day when Darren called me, I hung up the phone and I was like, got to get the house in order. Call the kids. Tell Cheryl I love her. I might not even make it home. The trumpet is about to sound. And then it struck me, as silly as that story may or may not be, those internet stories that get passed around, all those things, you're like, oh, come on, that, that probably didn't happen. But gang, the trumpet is about to sound. And why would I be more excited, more freaked out, more jazzed up that day hearing that weird little story than I would any day knowing the truth of the scripture that tells us at the last trumpet, the dead in Christ will rise and we who are alive will join them. Shouldn't I be excited about this? Isn't it all about looking forward to seeing the very Jesus who saved our souls? Gang, this is where we're headed. This is where we're headed. To a joyous celebration. And Jesus said, Luke 21, 28, Lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Which brings us to number five in your notes, a wonderful revelation. A wonderful revelation. Book of Revelation, chapter 4, verse 1. John is talking, he says, After these things I looked. And behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet... Like the sound of a trumpet speaking to me said, come up here. These are the words that John hears in the book of Revelation. John is experiencing, by the way, caught up to future things. Watching future things take place in heaven and on earth in this amazing book. And at this moment, John himself is raptured. He is caught up. And like the church will do soon... John was caught up to experience this wondrous revelation. And it's no mystery. This is not the fairy tale of Christianity. This is what Paul, the Apostle Paul, called the blessed hope. It's what Peter calls the living hope. It's what Jesus told us to be on the alert for. Be on the alert. You don't know when the day or the hour is going to be. You be ready. You keep eyes open. Be on the alert. Because, gang, we are going to be caught up, taken away, pulled out at the last trumpet. Now you might say, well, Rick, I'm not sure if I believe this rapture stuff. Christianity today, there are all kinds of opinions. There are those who just believe, hey, it's just a one-moment event, that the second coming of Jesus, and then we all go to heaven, and we, you know, kind of just generically, that's it from then on out. And I would say to you, look at what the Bible says, because Jesus was specific, Paul was specific, John was specific, and we even have specific examples of what the rapture looks like. How about Enoch? Enoch, in Genesis chapter 5, verse 24, the first first man to be raptured, it tells us Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Isn't that great? 
how cool would it be to be Enoch? He's walking along one day. He is so in fellowship and communion with the Lord that one afternoon, God says, hey, don't go home, Enoch. Come with me. Cool. And off they went. And the family is like, where's Enoch? Anybody seen Enoch? Enoch has just rocked. He's out of here. Enoch's gone. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5 puts a finer point on it so we can understand. It tells us by faith Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. That's harpazo. That's rapture. To be taken up so he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up he was pleasing to God. You might say again, okay, well great, he was pleasing to God, me not so much. Are you in the blood of Jesus? Are you a Christian? Have you given your life to Christ? Then guess what? You're pleasing to God. Just like Enoch. Or what about Elijah? Elijah was a man, the Bible tells us, just like us. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11 says, They were going along, this is Elijah the prophet, and Elisha, his protege, and they were going along and talking, and behold, there appeared a chariot of fire, and horses of fire, which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen, and he saw Elijah no more. Caught up. Elijah didn't die. He was raptured. And don't forget, gang, don't forget about Jesus. Didn't Jesus die? Yeah. But he also resurrected. And then Jesus was caught up. Jesus himself was raptured. He was standing on the Mount of Olives. Which is so cool to be there in Jerusalem, overlooking all of Jerusalem, up on the Mount of Olives. There was Jesus and his apostles. And they were hanging out together. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter nine, chapter 1 verse 9, He was lifted up while they were looking on. A cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them, angels. And they also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. I love the angel's words. They say, hey, disciples, apostles, followers of Jesus, listen, what goes up must come down. And Jesus went up. And the angel said he's going to come down same place. As a matter of fact, Zechariah 14 verse 4 tells us he is going to come to the same exact location on the Mount of Olives. Jesus is going to, when he returns, touch down on the Mount of Olives at his glorious appearing. It has happened before. It's going to happen again when the last trumpet sounds. But here's the most wonderful thing about this wonderful revelation. Verse 10 says, Blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings, over the sacrifices of your peace offerings, and they shall be as a reminder of you before the Lord God. Those sacrifices picture the very one who will be revealed. And when that last trumpet sounds, the wonderful revelation will not be the experience of rapture. When the last trumpet sounds, the wonderful revelation will not be suddenly we're in a glorified body. When the last trumpet sounds, the wonderful revelation will be Jesus Christ Himself, who we will see with our own eyes. Who we will be present with. With Jesus. Which is why I've said over and over, and I will continue to say this, it's not the book of Revelations, plural. It's the book of Revelation, singular. One revelation, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
which is what our entire Christian life is about. It's about Him. It's about seeing Him. It's about getting to Him. Longing for Him. And so I ask you, do you believe in Jesus? Had to put your faith in Him. Jesus at another time was talking to His apostles and He says in John 14, Do not let your heart be troubled. Which is a good word for us today. Do not let your heart be troubled. Frank's daughter-in-law may be going back in to surgery after the birth of her child. Do not let your heart be troubled. You may have serious physical complications in your life, things going on. You may have tragedies you're dealing with. Do not let your heart be troubled. Why, Lord? He says, believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I don't know about you, but I love my life. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my family. I love where I get to live. I love the Northwest. Everything is good about all this. But I cannot wait to see Jesus. And in a heartbeat, I would toss all of that away if I could just be with Him. See Him. And know Him as He is. And this word tells us that's the deal. That's the case. The first trumpet sounded clearly. The last trumpet is going to sound absolutely. Now again, there may be some this morning thinking, well, great, but I'm not worth it. Even if I did believe all that you're saying, Rick, even if I could find out that scripturally and biblically it's all there, I still don't think I'm one of those who would be considered worthy. And that's why the trumpets were silver. That's why the trumpets were silver. Bible students, what does silver translate to in the Bible? What is it a picture of? Hmm? The Spirit? No. But a good guess, and I'm proud of you for sticking your neck out there, Danny, when nobody else would. (laughs) Silver in the Bible, we've talked about this, is a picture of redemption. It's redemption. These two silver trumpets. The first at Sinai spoke of the redemption of the Israelites. The last trumpet speaks of the redemption of anyone who will simply trust God. You will be redeemed because He loves you. Because He wants you to be redeemed. And because He took the wrath at the cross. Two choices. Believe in Jesus. He takes the wrath. Deny Jesus. And you will go through the wrath. It's that simple. And I pray that you will accept Jesus even this morning. His salvation is as simple as this. Romans 10.9 If you will confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead you will be saved. Paul's words, absolutely. Believe this. Receive grace. And through faith when the last trumpet blows you'll go. And you will be with the Lord. Father, we need this. We want to know this absolutely. Father, this teaching about the last trumpet, this teaching about the rapture is not new to the Bridge Christian Fellowship. I know that. But what amazes me, Lord, is every time I turn around in Scripture, there are indications of this very thing. Once again, just reading Numbers chapter 10, of all places we see the silver trumpets. Trumpets blown first and last. 
And again we're reminded that a last trumpet will sound. And wonderfully, and we thank you, we're excited about this, the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we will be caught up to meet them together in the clouds and go on to be with you forever, Lord. And my friends, as we pray together this morning, if anyone has not accepted Jesus, if you've never expressed faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, I invite you to do so because if you leave here without that, there there is no guarantee about when He's coming back. No guarantee, only that He is coming. And it could be at any time. If you want to accept Jesus this morning, would you pray after me? Lord, I am a sinner. And Lord, I, I don't have a perfect life. I've tried to be good, but for all my goodness, there are still bad things that I do. And so I need forgiveness. I need covering. And I pray, Jesus, that you will take the wrath that I deserve. In fact, I accept your dying on the cross as payment for my sins. And I confess you as Lord and believe in you with all my heart. And I desire, Lord Jesus, to be saved today. Come and save me, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.